Welcome to Heart to Bark, a podcast for people who love their animals and want to learn more about them. I am your host, Dr. Mark. Come, sit, and stay tuned as we talk about the health and well-being of our furry, scaly, and even feathery friends. Hey everyone, Dr. Mark here. I am back for another episode of Heart to Bark. This is going to be an exciting episode. We are going to be talking about puppies and what we do when we get a new puppy, whether that's from birth and we are going to raise these little ones up or you purchase one and more importantly, adopt one. So if they come in and we have a puppy, what do we do? This is a very exciting part of many families' lives, bringing puppies into the household brings tons of joy, and I just want to go through a few of the things that we need to do to keep them healthy, safe, so that they can grow up and be with you for a long time. So, we'll start with maybe a puppy that was born within the house. So, we had a female, and the female was pregnant, and the puppy was born at the house. Typically, what we'll do is we'll let mom nurse these puppies, and you want to do that because they need to get that first milk or colostrum to get the antibodies that they need to protect themselves. After they are getting that and they're being fed and cared for by the the mother, then at about 10 days, I do like to start to deworm these guys. There are some worms that can pass through the milk or through the placenta. Your puppy could potentially be born with worms already, deworming these guys, usually starting at about 10 days. And then we'll repeat that every two weeks until they are ultimately started on a heartworm prevention that has a dewormer in it. When do we start weaning these guys? When do we start them on puppy food? So typically about four weeks old is when you want to start weaning these guys and start giving them puppy food. So mom's at that point going to probably start to push them away. And for sure, by six weeks, these guys need to be completely off of mom and on puppy food completely. Most scenarios are not going to be involved this. So I really want to talk more about when you obtain a puppy whenever they are more in the six to eight, 12 weeks old. So you get these guys when they're young. What do I do and how do I move forward with them? So if you get a new puppy for the family or you just want to uh, add another addition to the household or this is your first pet, I want to go through some of the things that we think about when getting a puppy. One of the first things that you want to do when you get a puppy is get an initial exam from your veterinarian. This is very important because as veterinarians, we're going to look for things that could be problematic in the future, potentially, or for anything that, you know, can be corrected immediately or things we want to monitor. And so where am I going with this? So I like to see these guys as soon as the owner has them, you know, a day or two for adjustment in the household, uh, but then get them in and let's, let's look at these guys and make sure there's nothing that we need to address. What am I looking for? Well, The first thing I'm going to do is I I usually start from nose to tail. And so starting at the nose, I look at the nose, make sure it's not narrowed or has any problems, especially in these short nose dogs. We call them brachycephalics, your bulldogs, your 
Boston Terriers, your Pekingese, any of these little guys that have the short nose, you definitely want to make sure that their nose has a good open airway for them to breathe. So that's the first thing. Then I look at their eyes. We want to make sure that they're pointing in the correct direction. They're functioning and, you know, they can see. And so we, we, we assess that as well. I open their mouth. I look at their teeth. I look at how their teeth match up from the top to the bottom and make sure they have a good occlusion. We talk about that a lot. And we just want to make sure, especially in show dogs, that's very important that their mouth occlusion is good. We look at that really well. Then I'll just kind of generally go across their body and make sure they don't have any lumps or bumps specifically underneath the body. I look in the abdomen and make sure there's not what's called an umbilical hernia. That's where the little umbilicus was attached and becomes their belly button. The other would be kind of in the back between their legs. It's called the inguinal area. We look for inguinal hernias, just just hernias in general. And then I will definitely listen to the chest. I listen to the lung fields. I check for heart murmurs and ultimately go up and look at their ears and make sure there's not any signs of defects in the way they formed and look for ear infections or ear mites. So just parasites in general. And we'll do that in the general exam as well. Some veterinarians may run a fecal exam, check for internal parasites. Puppies can be born with parasites. If mom has them, Many of these can pass through the milk and or pass through the placenta. And so this is something that we're definitely going to want to make sure is okay and even start treating for as we work through the wellness plan and vaccination schedule for these guys. So an overall good initial wellness exam, I cannot stress how important that is. And many of these are very quick because most of these guys are fine. But the ones that do have issues, many of these things can be corrected pretty simply. Or if they do have a problem that uh, does not carry a good prognosis, you know, mainly heart problems and things like that, we can discuss those things early on and maybe not have the issues that we see later. Uh, maybe we can do some corrections early. So a good initial exam is great. So now I want to move into our vaccination schedule. And and this is the schedule that I follow. I routinely give vaccinations at 8, 12, 16. And if they're in a high risk area, I do it at 20 weeks again. Or if we don't know the history of the maternal antibodies passed from mom. So I will also sometimes give a six-week vaccine, but I do not count that as their schedule. So if a puppy comes in as a stray, we age it at about six weeks, we don't know a history on this little one, then I'm going to go ahead and give what's called a distemper parvo vaccine. A distemper parvo is protection against several of the most common things that we see. And this is one of our core vaccines. It has distemper, adenovirus, which is a liver issue, and parvo. Parvo being probably the most common and most talked about when we talk about puppies. And the reason we want to do this is because vaccines can be interfered with if they have maternal antibodies from mom. So they don't work as well if mom's antibodies are still floating in the body. But if we have a history where maybe mom wasn't vaccinated and didn't pass any maternal antibodies, or these puppies were immediately put on milk replacer and didn't get the colostrum milk, then vaccinating them at six weeks, you're probably going to get 
a little bit of uh, an immune response and start building their own antibodies. And so I will do that, but I don't ultimately count this as their puppy series. Their true puppy series, in my opinion, starts at eight weeks and goes into 16 to 20 weeks. And you want to give about four weeks in between vaccinations because you want the vaccine to have time to produce these antibodies. And if you vaccinate them, you know, weekly, you're really not giving the vaccine enough time to work. So I see these vaccine protocols that come in and they're vaccinated every week or every push in two weeks. And that's just too many vaccines too soon. You really have to give them time to work. So at eight weeks, we give another distemper parvo vaccine. That is the core vaccination. And every time that we see these guys in our clinic, we always give them a dewormer. These guys, they're small. Their immune systems just really aren't up to par yet. And they're out there being potentially exposed to these parasites. And you want to make sure you deworm them every time you see them. We'll even go as far as putting them on a heartworm and a flea and tick and mite prevention starting at eight weeks. Ultimately, I'll talk about those a little bit more. So eight weeks, we get the core vaccine, the distemper parvo. At 12 weeks, they are now old enough for a rabies vaccine. So rabies vaccines uh, are typically given after 12 weeks old, and they're also going to get another booster of their distemper parvo. So at 12 weeks, their core vaccines are going to be your distemper parvo again, and they're going to get a rabies at that time. We're also going to talk about some lifestyle vaccines. So this is when we can go ahead and start some of the other vaccines that I call lifestyle vaccines. If the lifestyle of the pet fits the need for the vaccine, then we give it. It is not a core vaccine. It's not one of the ones that we want to for sure give. This is only if it fits their lifestyle. Typically three of these, there's several out there. There's, there's a, it's almost like there's a vaccine for everything, but they're not all necessary. So Bordetella is probably the most common one you'll hear about. If your dog is going to be going to a boarding facility, a grooming facility, or just going somewhere that it's going to be exposed to other dogs, this is the kennel cough vaccination. It's called Bordetella. So if that's the case, we would give your pet a Bordetella. On the rise now is influenza. This is another one of the airborne viruses that we deal with. Once again, if your pet's going to go to a boarding facility, a grooming facility, we would add that one on as well. The third one I want to talk about in this lifestyle vaccine group is going to be leptospirosis. Lepto is a bacteria that causes kidney infections, can cause problems with the liver. It can definitely cause some serious issues. Typically, we see it in hunting or outdoor dogs because this is spread usually in the urine, can be in the water supplies, typically out in the wild. Although saying that, I mean, it can definitely be seen in the city, but most of the time we're seeing it in our outdoor pets, especially where raccoons, skunks, possums, rats, different animals can harbor it and hold it and then spread it for sure. So lepto does come with quite a few vaccine reactions. So the benefit to risk is there. And so we just got to make sure the lifestyle fits and then we go ahead and give it. So that's the, the lifestyle vaccines. All of these are 12 weeks. So 12 weeks, we get a distemper parvo and a rabies. 
and we go through the lifestyle vaccines. Once again, we deworm again at 12 weeks. We give another monthly heartworm prevention. We probably gained some weight. So we're not going to do anything long-term on the heartworm. We're going to do monthly so that we can keep up with our weight gain. That goes along with your flea and tick pill. We're going to do a monthly one because we'll probably be more weight whenever we come in for our next set of vaccines, which is at 16 weeks. So at 16 weeks, we are going to get one more of the core vaccines, the distemper parvo. We've already had our rabies. Rabies at this point is just going to be once during our puppy series. We're going to go back through these lifestyle vaccines, the bordetella, the influenza, and the lepto. And at this point, we're probably going to talk to you a little bit about rattlesnake vaccines. This is another one that is available in South Texas. We typically give this one quite a bit. It helps to neutralize uh, rattlesnake venom whenever or if ever your pet is bitten. So rattlesnake would be another one that we would talk about in the 16-week mark. Once again, we go back through the heartworm. They get another heartworm, another flea and tick pill, and a deworming. So that would be at 16 weeks. The last vaccination in our series is at 20 weeks old. This one is really more of an optional vaccine. It is given to dogs that are potentially in a high risk area or they just seem like they need another booster for whatever reason. The lifestyle vaccine rattlesnake vaccine typically could be given, but any of the Bordetella, Influenza, Rattlesnake, and Lepto can be given as well. And at this point, we should already be on a long-term heartworm, flea, tick, and mite prevention. We just need to make sure that those are started. I'm not going to go through all of them, but we will talk a little bit more about them a little bit later. So now that I've gone through the vaccine protocol, I want to just talk a little bit about vaccines. So vaccines, why do we do them? Why do we do them at the frequency that we do? What is the benefits here? So vaccines have been proven to be very important in the prevention of disease. It is one of the things that we can do to prevent sickness and or disease. Now, when puppies are born, they will get antibodies from mom through the milk, typically called first milk or colostrum. And those antibodies typically will stay in the bloodstream or or maintain blood levels for about eight to 12 weeks. And it varies. And that's the problem. We don't know when those antibodies drop out because it varies from pet to pet. So the goal of vaccinating is to try to have the the puppy build its own immune response using vaccines while or when the mother's antibodies have dropped out of the puppy. So we don't know exactly when that happens. So what we're trying to do with the vaccines by doing them every month for a series of three pushing four, if we are high risk, is we're trying to hit that point when mom's antibodies have dropped out and then we start building antibodies to the vaccination and then to those viruses. Mother's antibody that they get in the colostrum negates the vaccination. So if there's antibodies from mom still floating in the bloodstream of the puppy, the vaccines that we're giving are not technically working. 
they still have antibodies from mom and it negates what's going on with the vaccine we're giving. So the hope is, is that one of these vaccines is going to be on board whenever mom's antibodies drop out and then those take over. We want to definitely hit that point. Now, you have to give the vaccines time to work as well. You, you would ask, okay, well, then why don't I just give them every week? If I'm trying to hit this certain spot that these antibodies are going to drop out from mom's milk, why don't I just do it every week? Well, the problem is, is we use what's called modified live vaccines, and those take two to four weeks to build antibodies. And so if you're vaccinating every week, you're never given the body a chance to build antibodies. The other thing is you're, you're technically, in a sense, wasting money because you don't need to give that many. But just from a science standpoint and how the body functions, you have to give them a chance to work and for the body to mount this immune response. We need mom's antibodies to drop out and we need to have vaccines on board to take over when that happens. We just don't know when that is. So many times we're going to vaccinate a few times, usually monthly. You may see some vets do it every two weeks, some every three, some every four. It's very common practice, but you have to minimally give two weeks. Most vets are doing three to four weeks in between to really let that vaccine work. Distemper parvo, rabies, and then our lifestyle vaccines are Bordetella, influenza, leptospirosis, and rattlesnake. You're going to hear about a few others, and your vets may talk to you about those, Lyme disease and certain things like that. I will let the vets talk to you about those specifically uh, with who you're working with. So uh, that's uh, my little information on vaccines. Eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, 20 weeks are the timeframes that we typically do it here at our clinic. Now, I will tell you, if you get a puppy and you say, hey, we're at nine weeks or 10 weeks, it doesn't have to be exactly 8, 12, 16, 20. We can modify the protocol and just do a series of three to four vaccinations a month apart. They don't have to be specifically when the puppy is eight weeks old. You know, it could be 9, 13, 17. That's fine. Perfectly fine. So the only one that is very much time dependent is the rabies. And it just has to be after 12 weeks old. If they're less than 12 weeks, we can't give it. So that is vaccines. Definitely, if you have questions, work with your veterinarian or call us. So a few other things that I want to mention that are non-specific but definitely very important. The first one is heartworm prevention. You definitely want to start this before they are six months old. The life cycle of the heartworm is six months. So if you're dog was bit by a mosquito on day one of its life, it would take six months for there to be an adult. And so they need to be on it before six months old. We typically start them at their eight week vaccine appointment and we give it for the rest of their life. So we try to get them started way before that because many of your heartworm preventions are also a dewormer. So they're getting dewormed every time they are getting a heartworm prevention. There are multiple formulas out there for heartworm prevention. There's injections that last six months. There's injections that last a year. They're called ProHeart. There's chews that are monthly. Uh, that's the more common way that we have seen it in the past. Most people are moving to the long, long-acting injections now and then using a separate flea and tick prevention, which is what the next topic I want to talk about is. 
So flea and tick prevention also needs to be started when they are, are young. And the reason is, is many of the preventions we have now also get mites. Some of the big mites that we used to see in puppies is Demodex and Scabies. That has almost gone away because these preventions kill that so well that if you get these guys on a monthly, uh, there's even one out now that lasts three months called Bravecto. And these are very superior to the previous flea and tick preventions that we've had. And they are amazing and work really well. So I would um, strongly recommend talking to your veterinarian about flea and tick prevention that also can kill mites as well. And many of those are in the oral form and they have been amazing and really revolutionized the parasite control in our puppies and dogs for that matter. Another thing that I would highly recommend is microchipping. We can do that at any age. So microchipping is a chip. It's the size of a rice grain and it typically goes underneath the skin in between the shoulder blades and it is not a tracking device but what it has is a number that is specific to your information that is stored in the cloud and if your pet is lost there are shelters vet clinics facilities that have scanners they scan your pet they get the number they call it in and if your data is correct in the cloud they will be able to find you I would definitely get a microchip and then I would also make sure your information is up to date. If it is not or you've moved, I would go and get that updated now so that they can find you if your pet is lost. The last thing I want to talk about is spaying and neutering that can be performed anytime after three months old. You're going to hear a lot of theories out there about they need to go through a first heat cycle or they need to grow up first and be older or year old. From an anesthesia standpoint, as long as they're three months old, I typically will spay or neuter these guys. Uh, the health benefits of spaying and neutering far outweighs all the other issues that people talk about. I currently recommend spaying any time after three months. I can, I'll do it any time after that. So spaying and neuter is super important as well. So moving on, I want to just touch base. If you have a puppy that is a toy breed and very, very small, one of the things you just want to watch out is for low blood sugar. We call it hypoglycemia. If you have a little puppy that is maybe tremoring or even goes into seizures, one of the things you may want to do is just give them a little honey on the gums or a little bit of some syrup or something just with sugar to get their energy levels up. There is a product called NutraCal, and NutraCal will be a high energy supplement for these guys. Feed them more often. That's very common in toy breeds. And so, toy breed hypoglycemia is a real thing, and it is something that I just want to bring your attention uh, since I'm doing this podcast. Definitely look it up, know what the breed you're getting, and definitely know um, about toy breed hypoglycemia. The next thing is going to be training. So training these puppies is super important. Uh, set up some sort of schedule for these guys. If you're going to potty train, you want to make sure that if you're training them, that you are aware of a few things that you may encounter. So a lot of people, especially with toy breeds, they'll pee pad train. And I would just caution you with that because 
if you train your pet to pee on a pee pad, if you ever go visit anybody and they have a rug in their house and your dog pees on the rug, or if they pee on the rug in your house, you can't really get mad at them because you train them to do that. So crate training is more what I prefer. And doggy doors work really well if you have that set up. Uh, then they can just train themselves. But it's not necessarily any one way is bad or good. Just make sure you know if you're going to do certain training that you know that the con not necessarily consequences, but that you know what to expect if they get older and if things start like that start happening. So puppies are fun. They bring us a lot of joy. And I hope that if you get a puppy that uh, it brings uh, great joy and, and happiness to your family. Uh, if you have any questions, definitely reach out, reach out to your veterinarian. This is a big subject. It's hard to cover in one podcast and we'll definitely cover multiple topics within this to give more information in the future. So just stay tuned and we will touch base on all these other little topics that I have presented. But I just wanted to give you a general idea of what to do uh, to keep your puppy safe and healthy whenever you get a new little puppy. Y'all have a great day. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening to this type of content, then hit that subscribe button for new episodes every week. For more information about this podcast or printable PDFs, visit our website at drmark.vet. That's D-R-M-A-R-K dot V-E-T. And feel free to email us about new topics to put on the show at info at drmark.vet. Also, check out our social outlets like Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram to stay up to date with our activities. Thank you and have a great day.